Chloe with the wolf mug. <laughs> yeah, this is a Stark mug. Thank right. you for giving me the Stark mug. Thank Zach. you for giving me the Phantom of the Opera mug. This, these the Sansan mug. These are both very excellent choices. Absolutely. You understand us. Yeah, it's a Sansan mug. Sandra Clegane, played by Gerard Butler. Fire and blood. <laughs> Dude, fire and blood. The volume tonight. one. Fire we get it tonight. And blood. We get it tonight. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Extremely excited. Been looking are forward you? to it for a while. I'm very excited. How excited are you? If you say like really between excited. one to ten. 10 being a new, you were just saying the last book release you'd been to was in 2007. Yeah. For Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Deathly Hallows was the last book release I probably went to. 11 years ago. Yeah. It's been yeah, 11 years. Probably same, to be honest. It's been 11 years since you've had a, a good reason to go to a, a an event release. for a book release. Yeah. It has. Take that, literature. <laughs> also, I mean, it's the only thing I'm more passionate about, I guess. You know, I'm sure there's been other. Have there really been other release parties? Did you go to the Dance with Dragons release party? Do they have any? Uh, not near where I was, certainly. Like, I just I had my own. I, just, I had my own release party. I just got stoned in the porch and read a Dance with Dragons, <laughs> petting the cat. Oh my it God. was the best possible release party. See, I didn't get into Thrones for about a year after Dance, so it was the same right around the same time the show started. Yeah, right around the Dance came out right after season. I remember one. that. Yeah, yeah, that's literally it. Came out right before I started. I started after season two. Same with. Uh, my dearling co-host Jeff. Oh Jeff! Oh Jeffles! I was going to say my dear and my darling, and I just dearling. combined them into my dearling. Mm. It's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. I found out about it from the promo that HBO released, and I was I was in college, and I was like, "Oh my God! Swords, shields! They're finally listening swords to us. And shields? Look at it! Yeah. This is what we've been asking for. There's definitely yeah. going to be some rangers in this for sure. <laughs> and once they start adapting it, they're going to bring in elements from my favorite video games. So I'm going to watch. And if there's any TV shows that have medieval flags that are like the, the triangle flags that have mm-hmm. like the seals on it, you know, mm-hmm. we were talking about Banners, seeing yeah. sigils yeah. on the, the bar stools and you're like immediately <laughs> yeah. interested and like, oh, I wonder Heck what's yeah. the lore of this place. Those pendant flags. Yeah. Pendant flags are awesome. True. Yeah. I was just a little 15 year old when the Feast for Crows came out and I oh my God. read Lord of the Rings and played Kingdom Hearts and was oh just into God. nonsense emo fantasy and, but also would start reading like pretentious books for the first time like you know great English literature books for the first time like which ones oh like you know you just run down the list like any high school teacher would give you like I was I read Ulysses for the first time <laughs> I was reading Moby Dick and all the huge ones I was really into it so you know something like Song of Ice and Fire was just the perfect mix of the genre fantasy stuff that I loved but also like really dense and you know Adult and pretentious. A Feast for Crows is perfect for that. If you're at that age, Feast for Crows came out right around then. My mom was reading the books, and she's like, "You like these?" So I read the first three like real quickly, like leading up to Feast. Little did mom know. (laughs) Feast came out. Yeah, exactly. She makes fun of me. Look at you now. She's like, I'm the actual fan in the family. You're just you're just the latecomer, and I'm I'm like keeping the lights on with it. Mom, just because you're accurate doesn't mean you're interesting. To steal from John she Delaney. has such an advantage being so much older than you. Her opinions on it are so much better. True. Well, that's, just, that's generally true. Yeah. My mom's opinions are just better. You're like, it's really, still that she way. She should have the podcast. She's great. The first uh, time I met her, she was like, I want to read your Shardane essays. And I was like, I love her. That is such a cool thing to have. <laughs> I know. That Whose is mom really says that? My mom's like, what's in a Shardane? And I'm like, well, mom, this is the fifth time I've tried to explain to you about a Shardane. Who even is she? Yeah. Maybe Except we'll all find out one day. Probably not tonight, though. I, literally, someone asked uh, Jeff on Twitter the other day, I don't remember Quentin Martell. I read the books, but I don't know who His he is. His name's Emmett, right? And I was like, my soul. <laughs> my, my soul. Why? Why would you do this to me, of all people? I mean, he had actual chapters. 
True. What, what was it like for you guys when you were reading A Feast for Crows and you realized as the Brienne chapters went on and you got to the whispers that this is the kind of book it's going to be, that this is going to be the main stuff in it? This isn't like, it wasn't leading to something else, that right. it was leading to this. That's a very specific moment. Uh, I, I loved it. I love, all, I love Feast. I love the Brienne chapters. I love that the main character is Cersei. I think that's hilarious that the main character of the book is the, the evil queen from Snow White. I think that's wonderful. I like Feast has a very specific tone. And some very specific themes unto itself. I certainly get being disappointed by the lack of, you know, Davos and Daenerys. And oh no, no John, Tyrion. no Danny, no Tyrion. What are we gonna do? How could the story go on? Is that some slight sarcasm <laughs> on your part there? Probably? I had no sarcasm. <laughs> I mean, the problem was just the wait. Like, I wouldn't want to wait eleven years for my no, favorite character. So Feast was oh hurt. Feast was hurt by the release schedule and the way Martin handled it. No, no question. About That's why it. I don't understand how people are just so like. They're so whiny about T-Wow not coming out, right? Like, it's they're like, just like this weight is killing me. And I'm like, that's all this fandom does. Like, that's right, what that's it's thing. about. Like, Delayed gratification is the name of the game. You know what? <laughs> exactly. My generation and above, we are just, you know, it's that instant gratification. I get it. But that's because we've been taught that. And we want it. We want it now. Well, guess what? You need to wait. God damn it. Well, it's also the weird combination of we hated the last two books. And where's the next one? We want it right. now. It's like, but... It, According to you, there hasn't been any good material in this series since the year 2000. Yeah, so you useless weird. old man, put the books out. We hate you, but we want your books. Like, right, what, what? That, that's the, such a weird dynamic. It's like, pick one. It's like... Support I mean, your authors. That, that's a certain kind of dynamic going on with the nonsense about the Star Wars movies, too, now. Is, yeah. you know, we hate this, but when's the next one? And well, it better be better than the one we just right, watched. Right. There's a certain kind of gratification that seems to come from that within those fandoms right now, which is just kind of annoying. And maybe the, you didn't grow with the books, you know? Maybe that's, that's acceptable. Maybe you're just, they're not for you anymore, and that's fine. Just walk away. Walk yeah, away. that's allowed. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely still on board with the weight, but I don't blame people for, you know, wanting to be like, eh, I need something else just to keep the juices flowing <laughs> mentally and emotionally seven years after the last book. That's perfectly legit. Yeah. Since you were 15, though? That's yeah. Been, so Think about how his tastes have changed. <laughs> think about how what he probably thought when he was 15 versus like no now kidding. it's 13 no, years later question. oh man what did you used to think when you were 15 um probably i definitely <laughs> definitely, <laughs> I definitely took thing. a while to appreciate catalan i was i was into sansa what? pretty much right away but catalan okay. catalan took me a while wow. at first uh just because of her, the dynamic with john was was hard to get past now um, you're an adult and you're like who needs no, I'm not talking about this. Oh, she was just asked to like raise and be around this other man's. You're like bastard. now that like, I have to give myself life every day. <laughs> right. It's like uh, no one asked Neris Targaryen to raise Damon Blackfire. Right. And if they did, she'd be understandably distraught about that. So. Especially as a highborn. I mean, exactly. That was Especially unheard of. Winterfell. Yeah. You still feel John's pain, but uh, I'm able to take things much more in context now and not just adopt my. You can weigh them against each other. You Which know, and kind of say do, they're I separate think. things, and yeah. Um. So yeah. you were wrong. So I was wrong at the time. <laughs> but uh, reading reading Feast right after the first three was definitely a great experience because of, as, as Zach said, just how different it is. And mm-hmm. most of the book is from new point of views, from female point of view characters. Well, and imagine being a 15-year-old reading this series like now, being an 18-year-old reading this series like compared to what you know as an adult now, like after you've raised yourself on your own successfully for a few years. Sure. It makes you look at a lot years. of those characters differently. Yeah. I don't know. Successfully for myself, I'd say that. but <laughs> Definitely. You, you love Davos more once you start working. Right. Even in like the fandom, talking to people that have such different point of views just because of what age they are and where they come from and how they've lived so far. I really it's just, love that. These books are so expansive yeah, that's that yeah. it's allowable. You can see that. Like, different people read these books for different reasons. There are different people that theorize different ways about things that you go, I would never think that, and you're crazy, and that's wrong. But 
I mean, I'm these books are here. so yeah. diverse and they have so many different ways to read them and analyze them. And everyone's welcome. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, Even what, if they're wrong. that's so cool. <laughs> Especially if they're wrong. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of wrong opinions, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to get a few of those uh, opinions changed probably when we get this book coming out tonight. I'm sure there will be some good, heavy foreshadowing towards what's going to happen in the main series. Are you worried about that at all? Like, no. where do we go from here tonight when we see some opening scenes? I think this isn't as bad as T-Wow. T-Wow is going to be the real test of everyone's friendship in this community. Yeah, lots the ripple effects of watching canon change overnight and certain things proven true and certain things proven false, certain things not addressed at all. It is going to be nuts. That's going to be an interesting test as well as like a, a great moment for the community. There's going to there's going to be some some uh-huh. fighting, recriminations, tears, reputations <laughs> will rise and fall. <laughs> It's yeah. kind of a big deal. I mean, our fandom has grown so huge since the last book, in large part because of the show. And we're all just standing There's, on this precipice, just we're all hanging just waiting over. for a big piece of information. There's really nothing comparable to this. I mean, even something like, you know, The Force Awakens bringing Star Wars back to the public consciousness and money, there was no really big revelation we were waiting for mm-hmm. in that movie. It was we were just, just like, it's going to be another Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yay. Like, there's, no, there's, there's nothing critical. No story information that everyone was hinging on. But, but this we're is all like, we've, we have speculated. This entire book, we've like speculated multiple books worth of information between us, mm-hmm. and now the actual thing is going to show up eventually. That's going to be just such a weird moment. As we like gravitate towards the finish line, we all can feel it too. Like we're right. all like desperately scavenging at like information mm-hmm. to create exactly. theories. Like you can feel it. Like every day you wake up, you're like, oh, this is this content creator wrote about this today. Interesting. It's like what can we come up with anymore? So come on, George, we need Suck it. Dry. Yeah, well, Fire and Blood will give us a little, it'll whet our appetites for a while until we can get T-Wow in front of us. But as you say, Zach, there's definitely going to be some some scraps to fight over. Mm-hmm. And there will definitely be some foreshadowing and stuff in the series. We've already seen that from the excerpts. So Also, we'll it's like who can write what first after tonight. The race is on. The race is on, the to, race is to, on. to draw uh, the, the hottest takes. Yeah, the hottest takes. Yeah. Who's got the first meta the most essay? dramatic conclusions. We were just saying uh, it was going to be a... Uh, a long wait between the long night. Wait, we were seeing the scraps to pick over. Oh, yeah, the scraps. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you saw that with the Alisan excerpt for sure. Yeah. We were all drawing conclusions from it. Mm-hmm. I already drew those conclusions a long time ago, though. Just putting that out there. Right, but it's it so really nice good being that, pretty right. To see the other side of the story so specifically, though. Oh, my gosh. When that excerpt came out, I was so excited because I was like, all of my Queen Alisan and Sansa writing has finally paid off. <laughs> yeah, there were some very clear parallels. Very clear that. Sansa parallels going on in that. Like when Alisan holds her woman court of 200 women in King's Landing where she hears their grievances. Mm-hmm. Especially, we're hitting those Blackwater chapters right now. We're just finishing those with Sansa at uh, Girls Gone Canon, and so we just finished Sansa 7 and Sansa 6, where, like, Sansa straight up, you know, holds woman's court. She comforts them, says, oh, the the king is still fighting. He's fighting so bravely, and the queen has gone to draw the moat, and it's all going to be fine. You know, we're in the safest place. Let's sing now a prayer, like, straight up. I'll make them love yeah, me. Yeah, her, her if I'm ever queen, I'll make them love me moments in those two chapters are straight up just, like, Queen Alison, good Queen Sansa, good Queen Allie, like, right yep. there. I mean, the best thing about that for me is that, like, you know, Sansa's gone from believing wholeheartedly in the stories and songs to having that shattered to realizing she can use them for good, even though she knows their lies. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, you get that great turnaround. I think you can see some of that with, with Alysanne as well, that she's kind of had this mm-hmm. maturation process. And the way she goes up to through White Harbor and gains the Manderley's support before driving north, that seems definitely what Sansa's going to do with the Knights of the Vale. That just it's the logical geographic path for mm-hmm. her to get back home. 
And then Alaric Stark, the guy that Alisan meets, is such an is, interesting is a character. Very clear Stannis parallel with pretty much every one of his descriptions described so as you're hard. Excited, you're reading this. You're excited. like, how frigid is my he? My boy. <laughs> how much is it? It's he wonderful. He's described as hard and cold and tight fisted and an asshole. But then it says Alisan got to know him and found he wasn't entirely that way. And he had people who liked him. You're like, you know, I knew a good that. Sense of I humor, thought that about him. And I was him. just crying <laughs> while I read this. He was, was like, like my son. Love, he's over here starting to ship Stanza. He's like, Stannis and Stanza. They would have a fun. Interaction. I don't ship Stannis with anyone. No one deserves to sleep with Stannis. I wouldn't wish that fate upon my worst enemy. It's a cool name, though, Stanza. Stanza? Yeah. Like a Stanza? Like a musical Stanza? You know, because it is a song of ice and fire. But you go, suh. Leviosa. Add a little bit of Valley Girl to the end of that. It always sounds better with a little bit of Valley Girl added to it. Wingardium Leviosa. I loved, like, how how much with spells in those books, how the incantation, like, just in that book, you had to pay attention. Then any other time, it was like that and, like, Diagonally. And those are the only two times that came up. Yeah, otherwise it's just yeah. kind of whatever's happening. World building in Harry Potter is so clearly by the seat of the pants. Yeah, it's part bit. of the fun because anything can happen. But that's also what, when you look uh, back and it's like, hmm, there I are no rules. This weekend you saw the new movie, oh, yeah. Fantastic Beasts. Crimes of Grindelwald. You said, how did you did you find it to hold up? Was it? I thought at the very end, if anyone's already watched it, um, there's a CGI thing that happens, like a mm. a bunch of it. It's like fighting each other, and uh, it basically it looks like what, what? okay, it looks like. If you're like, hey, what's the end of uh, Song of Ice and Fire? It looks like a bunch of ice and fire fighting each other. And I was okay. like, whoa. And basically that, I get you. Yeah. I saw it on IMAX, so the screen was really big. So. It's going to be so great. And you hate 3D, right? Hmm? Do you hate seeing things in 3D? I feel like uh, you do for drags. Unless they're made for exactly. it. Okay, okay. Like, exactly. something like Gravity was great in the 3D because it was shot with 3D cameras. And yeah, like I never go. But taking a normal movie and just going, Ooh, now it's balloony. And we charge more it's, money for exactly. the tickets. That's, and I you have to did, wear your dumb plastic. I did see Spy Kids 3D. And that was, that was a fun little they experience. They shot that in 3D, though. They yeah. pioneered the technology with that. Sylvester Stallone did a great job. His face was so big. True. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Is that the one where they're in the video game and Elijah Wood is in it for like a minute and then he dies? No, Isn't I think that's... Isn't that Sin that's... City? <laughs> also. It's not Lord of the Rings. Isn't that Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Um, <laughs> no, uh, that maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think that one is. I'm just trying to think if they were that was the second or the third because they all they all seem like one to me now. They made four know? Spy Kids, I think. Yeah. Oh, so... Yeah. No, the third one was 3D because all the marketing was 3D. So I think that right. was it. They were in the game because then they showed up in that tower. Yep. Things can't always be <coughs> as simple as like the very first one where it's just the big thumbs running around, you know, Mooglies. Yep. Big Whatever. thumbs. Yeah. Right. God, spy kids. Weird, we should have known then. What a weird creation <laughs> that was. That things were going to get really weird later. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I can't wait for uh, in Sam's Old Town chapters and the ones who want her first Sorella uh, Sam to be the Hermione and go, honestly, Sam, it's like you've never read Hogwarts a history. <laughs> honestly, Sam, it's like you didn't know all this exposition that I'm dropping in your chapters for the plot to progress. Sam's like, oh. <laughs> I love how Sam like sailed away from a monastic institution where his best friend is a bastard, and he ended up in Old Town to go to a monastic institution where his best friend is a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changed. He sailed around halfway like the continent, and Eamon died, and he's in the exact same position. Time is a wheel. Now he's a daddy. Right. Mm. Now he's got Gilly, that's though. The, that's the truth. Yeah, he killed the boy. Jeez. He became a man. There's a lot to think about with, with Sam's storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, that chapter where Eamon dies and then Sam gets laid. That's a weird chapter. I don't, yeah. Yeah, that is I don't know how to feel chapter. about it. I mean, that's basically Azor high right there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, born Death under. Death life. Yeah. Salt and smoke. I mean, you know where he is. He's on that ship. Then they put him in a barrel. 
Yeah. True. Mm. What do you guys think is going to happen after he gets oh, taken out of that barrel? Oh, they're going to make delicious rum out of it. You think so? Yeah, well, there's that dollar said line. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since she's made the rum. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've tasted the rum. I think yeah, it's. Yeah, Ice and Fire Cons. An Ice and Fire Cons special for Eliana. I don't even remember what's in it, but she says it all the time. I don't know how I don't remember it's that. A, it's the body of a decaying Targaryen. Yeah, I mean, That's gotta be what some, else could you some need? some heavy shit. Mm, you Is can perform some magic after Pretty that. cool to you guys that there's a book about the Targaryens, their history being released. I've heard about it. Right True. now, between books five and six, mm-hmm. written by the same author. It's like, this was just... It seems like this might be the perfect thing to happen. If well, we're talking like, about delayed gratification, why not have something like this? Like, So it seems like part of the plan, right? It's interesting because if you compare it Obviously. to like J.K. Rowling, she released little miniature side-along books that go with the books she had going. So she released like a little miniature Fantastic Beasts after Goblet of Fire, if you remember. And it was very, very tiny. It had mm-hmm. like oh, 50 yeah. pages. I yeah. love that little and thing. It was I just wore like it a little, out. Yeah, it was a little dictionary. The and then too. she had yep, Quidditch for the Ages. I had that too. Uh, but she released those, those. And most people are like, well, this is a promotional marketing scheme. Like George is being forced to do it for HBO, which yes. But but he didn't just do that. I mean, this is expansive. It's full of depth. Do you think that that might be why the book is coming out now, partially? Just to take advantage of it, but with... Empire of Ash, come on, man. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, you can't get past it. I think they point. well, they literally in the said in an interview recently that he was asked by HBO to do that before any of the spinoffs, so that they had some foundation for it. I'm trying not to think about that. Yeah, I know it, it's a thing. Like it literally is a thing. Um, is it like shrug or or you're like hell yeah, like let's I celebrate mean, this and make it more fun? Or well, I so I think what he did though is <laughs> I mean obviously he has some shitty writer's block because we're. Creators, we're artists, somewhat. I guess you call what some of us do art. I don't know about me, but uh, you can call it art. Too. We, we know what it, art. we know what it's like to look at a blank page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know he's had some crazy writers block. You know it's been hard. I mean, he has all these plots he has to bring together. He has 155 plus it's plot insane. strings. It's insane. So complicated. He was this just world talking he's about written. this. Yeah, but it's he's basically Winds of Winter is basically 20 different books with 20 different protagonists that he has to somehow reconcile into a single book. And that's what's so amazing. I mean, we all love all of these characters so much. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the downside of HBO saying, hey, we really need this book so that we can do some spinoffs and keep this franchise going for a million dollars forever. Right. Like, that's whatever. It is what it is. I get yeah. it. Capitalism. But, like, at the same time, he took that as when you're writing, a lot of people do with their main characters of whatever they're writing. They write a whole other world. Which, when they write that whole other world, it makes it so their writer's block gets a little, you know, a little more liquid, a little less hard, and it helps them kind of write a whole other area of their characters. So he sure. said, hey, I've always had this canon of these characters. It's an exercise. It's exercising the muscles he's not using. He knows that he is pretty writer's blocked, right? He really just can't do it. He just can't do it right now. So, I don't know, it kind of lubricates the whole brain thing. Yeah, that's a solid point. You want to work within the universe, but maybe with some characters that aren't giving you that kind of... Uh constipated feeling yeah and he went to town with it i mean he made this beautiful anthology of just like here's a whole part of targaryen history and we're going to be reading that tonight and he clearly likes those characters too i mean much as the history of you know the targaryens is a bunch of burnt corpses and smashed cities and so forth he martin's definitely invested in them as characters and the, the, the the high drama of their interactions and He's you had know. a plan this whole time of exactly. what each one ended up as, and it just gave him the time to get to actually detail it out finally. And he clearly really likes these the transitions between different kinds of Targaryen kings. That's something he's focused on a lot. The chaos after Viserys the first, especially the chaos we're after Aegon the Conqueror, exactly. So that the 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 building up and undoing of Targaryen ambition, just that historical movement, is something that he clearly cares about a lot. So I think watching more of that unfold with greater detail in Fire and Blood Volume One is going to be a good time. 
Yeah. How much do you think of it is going to directly give a, like a an overlord, George is the god in this universe, pat on the back, warm arm around your shoulder about what's left to come in the sixth and seventh books? I think we'll get a lot of good foreshadowing. Like even that Elisan stuff, as we said, that with Queen Elisan and Jaharis, that entirely is a good nod to what we might see with some of Sansa and Jon's plots to come. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, details about the Dance of the Dragons that can probably be strewn towards Daenerys and Aegon, uh, things that we might see in the future in that plot. I think there's a lot that's going to happen in there. There's a lot of, uh, I heard from a little bird slash source that we get to hear a lot about Maria Martel and how she's a direct parallel to a historical leader in Russia that we will kind of hear about. How'd you hear about this? Don't worry about it. And, <laughs> the, the bird Don't ask me I never, I never reveal my sources. Okay. <laughs> like very sad little birds. Right on. Yeah. Uh, so just really, just a lot of really cool things we'll hear and things that will be able to apply toward the book. There might be some really direct parallels. There might be some stuff that'll stick out, but I think it'll be a lot more World of Ice and Fire. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed or a lot of people might be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I'm going into it with the idea that I think it's going to be great. So maybe I'll be let down a little and go, okay, well, this was a read, I guess, whatever. It was something, but I think I'll love it. I mean, the cover looks really cool. Yeah. At least. And what we've read so far, that's the thing is he's releasing like sample excerpts left and right to promote it. So I'm wondering if it's not going so well promotion wise. I mean, I mean, that might have always been the strategy. It might have always been the strategy, but it's like he's already released like four, three or four excerpts. He's released Alessand's excerpt. I can't talk. Alessand's excerpt. He's released uh, A Dance of the Dragons, King's Landing, like the Battle of King's Landing excerpt of what happened leading up to it. He released Aegon. What was the Aegon one? Yeah. Yeah, an Aegon one, um, and he released like a little. He's released like Targaryen Thursday videos. They're really doing a lot to hype this up, so it's interesting mm-hmm. to me that they're hyping it up I've so hard. Nice. Yeah, I think that's it. It's pretty interesting mm-hmm. that he's so involved. I mean, T.Y. will sell itself. So yeah, it seems that there's a little a little bit of resistance to for everyone to really lose their minds about this book, and I understand. I understand. Yeah, there's complicated. Feelings I get it, going but I don't it. feel that way. But I'm like excited. yeah there's going to be a a place tonight where a very influential author holds court among all of his people all of his dedicated followers and they're like tell us about your next story and he's like well exactly here's what happens do you think he's going to read anything tonight i think he's going to read an excerpt probably from the book Mm -hmm. i would guess um they're going to, I don't know how they're doing the q and A. I I know we were talking about that last night. Mm. They're doing, they're answer, he's going to answer some questions, I think. But it's like, do you submit your question like beforehand? Did we miss it? Or do you do it like when you get your book? Do you write a question down? What's going to happen? So we don't know. We don't really know. I don't know. Mm. What would you ask, Zach? What would yeah. I ask George? Yeah, yeah buddy. What you, what you got? Him? What's your overall big question? Pretend I'm George. Bring and your then, question. Let's bring it in this difficult that, like, uh, keep in mind, your question could be impactful in several ways. It could be something that asks George, like, about his writing. It could be something that does a reveal for the fandom. Or it could be something, like, on a level for you. So, like, what's your question? And you got to phrase it in a way to get an answer out of him. He won't just yeah. say, nice try moving on. You can't just flip flop. Yeah. You got to be very clever. So, what you got? This is real hard, I know. This is really hard. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were too hard Strike, on Strike, what's your question? <laughs> He's like, I want to lay on this cable and unplug it from his computer, please. Exactly. <laughs> what are your comments on that, George R.R. R. Martin? Strike's like, I will be accepting no further comments from George. Thank exactly. you. <sighs> what would I ask George? Can I, can I be a dire wolf? Okay. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Lisa. Do you wake up feeling achy, easily distracted, or forgetting things? A quality night's sleep makes all the difference, and the right mattress is the key to getting proper rest instead of just laying down. The Lisa mattress is the product of 30 years of experience and hundreds of hours of rigorous product testing. Designed for body contouring and pressure relief, the Lisa mattress is perfect for all sleepers. You can shop conveniently online with free shipping and 100 nights to try the mattress in your own home. The Lisa mattress is backed by more than 12,000 five-star reviews and loved by more than 300,000 happy sleepers. That is a lot of mattresses. Lisa also donates one mattress for every 10 sold, so you can sleep easy and feel good about your purchase. If you're in the market for a new mattress or if you've been waiting to upgrade one of your own, I heavily recommend receiving your mattress in the mail because it cuts out. It's the same reason why it's convenient to order everything else online. It doesn't seem obvious that a mattress could work like everything else, but it's packed and shipped and it's convenient and it's easy. And right now you can get $150 off the Lisa mattress plus a free pillow at lisa.com slash owns and enter promo code OWNS at checkout. This is Lisa's best offer at lisa.com slash owns, promo code owns. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash O-W-N-S, promo code owns. I would ask George if he had any plans to take us to the places on the map that have been established and not yet explored. Okay. And I know that that seems kind of kind of broad, but I think that if I know that there's more if there's more places to go, then I think my overall scope and hope of the story so far won't like have settled in. And like, I won't, I won't have the perspective of the characters now being like, Oh, I'm going to watch it unfold. Sure. You yeah. know, like, like, well, he's the- not going far, 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 like off continent. I know he's, yeah. like, he's not, we're not going to see a shy, which is a real disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. So I mean, we'll see it in flashbacks from Melisandre. Probably yeah. that's, I'm sure he, that's where he's going to like shoehorn that stuff yeah. in, in the same way that, he probably came up with Ario Hota as a POV so he could shoehorn Starfall stuff. That's what I was the narrative oh, talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. that was really big. Uh, from Fire and Blood, the excerpt I read, the Aegon, wasn't the Aegon stuff? He led an excerpt out. I just, this like slipped my mind of how the Oak Hearts all got slaughtered by right. the Dornish. Yeah. And like, yeah, of the past of how the Oak Hearts, like House Oak Heart got slaughtered up by Dornish and Targs. And like, it led so much to Aerys Oakheart. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this makes so much more sense of your hatred for the Dornish kid. That's yeah. not a good place to be. No, but I mean, he. sorry, that just hit my mind. I'm like, oh, I just remembered one of the excerpts. Yeah. No, that's true. Eris has that passage where he's thinking about, like, all, like, the, the, the tapestries back at his home. And, that, like, they're all about, like, slaughter and war with the Dornish. But he's thinking of them all, like, nostalgically. <laughs> and you go, oh, damn. <laughs> And he like thinks about how like the Oak Hearts and have been battling the Dornish for years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a which is an interesting, you know, the, the theme of Reach versus Dorn is interesting because they're probably going to wind up allies to a certain extent and under uh, Team Griff. Yeah, a lot of the Reach lords, which and, is and the big because he's uniting that. I mean, that's that's, that's what's going to make people think he's a rightful Aegon. Right, which and because he's probably a Blackfire underneath, and that's where he's going to get a lot of his support from the yeah. Golden Company and the Reach, but. Then you also have the Dornish there, who were the enemies of the Blackfires. So it's an interesting because they believe coalition. he's a real Targaryen. Exactly. Same. Like, there's some interesting coalitions for him. Same way Stannis's coalition has all these different people from all these different backgrounds in it now. Maybe uh, that's something I would ask him then. Yeah. 
like that he's set up a lot of the Dornish versus the Reach, even with the House Oakheart stuff we get in sure, exactly. Fire and Blood from the excerpt he let out. And just ask him about like what plans it looks like he has like similar setup for Reach versus Dornish for the Winds of Winter. That's a much better question than mine. Well, I've been thinking about it. I've been working on something about that. So She's I really building up to it. I, yeah, I just want some answers. That's why I'm like, George, take longer to write T Wow, because I gotta put this theory out, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff to be done. We still don't know what's gonna happen. We still haven't figured it out exactly. I've got I got like three more essays I gotta start writing before the Winds of Winter comes out. Ashara I'm good on because she's sure. not there's no Ashara reveal till the last book. Mm-hmm. Like I'm good. She won't be in the Winds of Winter, guys. So you think that's gonna happen then? Oh, if we get a reveal of Ashara being alive somehow, it'll be towards the end of the last book. He's not gonna have time to put it on the pages mm-hmm. like fully. I would probably ask George something about his writing process with Euron, because Euron gets brought up once or twice in the background in the first few books, mm-hmm. and then kind of emerges fully formed in Feast, and clearly from the Forsaken is going to be a big deal going forward. So I'd like to ask at like what point in the writing process did Martin decide Euron was going to be a big deal? Because he's not in the pitch letter. None of the Greyjoys are. Um, and he's not mentioned at all in the first book, so I'd be very interested in that. But Theon's there. Theon's in the first uh, book, but and Balin is mentioned, mm-hmm. but Euron is not. He does not. Mm-hmm. He gets briefly mentioned in books two and three, and then he shows up in book four. So I would be very curious. I think it's interesting how he took that outline of like the original trilogy mm-hmm. and he took the original outline and he changed it and adapted it so that he could make it further books and give more depth to these characters. And it's interesting because then he introduced like, okay, well, we need another antagonist before the real antagonist who's like the step below the others. Let's sure. go here on. Exactly. Well, I think yeah, he came up with the Greyjoys <laughs> being a major plot element. It seems like once he decided Tyrion wasn't going to burn Winterfell yeah. in the original plans, so he was like, okay, I need someone else to do this job though in order for the Starks to have this downfall. So then he came up with Theon's plot. And then, yeah, Euron, obviously it's difficult to know because it hasn't really paid off yet. But I think he, my guess is he came up with Euron when he realized, I, I need someone to help the others. I need like a human agent. I need someone to help them get south of the wall. I need some kind of villain in the south that compels attention while the others are moving to the north. And I think Euron probably developed from there. That would be yeah, my guess. He's but filler, I would, yeah. I would love to get, what, what's all this about a Shardane again? <laughs> <laughs> you go, go, go back to talking about the girl we hear about in 11 She's sentences. She's not filler. Actually, actually, it's <laughs> actually it's ten. <laughs> I didn't say she was filler, or no, she no, was sweetie. filling story arcs. I was just saying that Euron is a villain filler for now. Well, he hasn't really paid off yet. I wouldn't even say he's that for now. I mean, he's filling the role of the villain. We've filled so. we've filled him up though in our mind to be that. Sure, we'll and go with that. Uh, not said, what filler means, but that's fine. What do you guys think about the? Uh, the information from the excerpt about how Alisan's dragon reacted to the wall. Mm. I think there's obvious, like, A, the pact. Okay. A, the pact. B, there's obvious magic that the dragon was like, nope, fuck that. Can you explain the pact? Well, so we know that there was a pact made between, you know, the children. The f- basically everybody, the first men, the children, the everybody that was on the earth. Well, it was probably to uphold the wall and keep, you know, magic on the other side of the wall. From the north, so the others keep them on their other side of the wall with the enchantments built around that wall. Mm. So I'm guessing it has a lot to do with that, whatever that pact really was. I mean, that's what I would guess, and that you can't go, you couldn't go, it was like territory, you know, can't go beyond that wall. So the dragon technically can't fly beyond yeah. the wall instead there, of doesn't want to. Exactly. Right? Well, yeah, there's some questions because, I mean, then anytime you get into the, the wall is marking a pact or a border territory, you have the question, okay, but why are the wildlings there then? And the wildlings right. have been there for centuries and the others didn't show up. So how did that go down exactly? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. Is mm-hmm. are there spells to specifically keep dragons out, or is it just like any maybe so there's any no non other magical force can't go there? I mean, 
maybe other creatures yeah, like from magic. from from a place that we might read about in the fire and blood right but then Dyrus also came would, from North couldn't Wall. go beyond Dyrus the wall. Came from maybe it's not only dragons but then also i think it's like summer can't sense ghost if i recall correctly yeah. once ghost is north of the wall like summer like you know the astral right. wolf land right. uh, can feel Shaggy Dog and Nymeria, uh, but can't feel Summer. So there's so the, works, the wall works weirdly. It's not just dragons. So maybe it's, it's different really, kinds yeah. of creatures that use this sort of psychic sense or something. Would, it's got yeah. those wards, like Coldhand says. Melisandre talks about it as like a hinge of the world. So I was going to say, it's like, you know, it's like separate realms almost in a way. Absolutely. And it's absolutely like, well, why can't dragons cross? Well, what could kill the others? Right. Fire. That's an interesting manifestation of the of the what kills others the barrier like in this in this fantasy story and like how it works that it's like metaphysical but also physical yeah it also stands right there and it all you can go through it but mm-hmm. you also can't go through it if you Talk have a certain about breaking power. the fourth wall right exactly <laughs> but no, you're totally right there's so much underworld imagery when uh, Bran and company go through the Black Gate mm-hmm. in the Night Fort mm-hmm. there's all this kind of imagery and mood around that that makes it feel like very much like a descent into the realm of death. Or just a realm of darkness in general. Well, so yeah, it's so early, and you're like, "Hey, I'm just going to introduce you to this concept, okay? You're with some kids. That's fine. This is a normal book. Well, it's not a normal book. You get it, but we're going to continue anyway. Yes. There's a tree that if you talk to, it's going to go. All right, I'll let you through. I'll let you through, through my, my giant. Mouth. Yeah, it's one of the weirdest moments in the series. It's really not explained at all. Or like it's when just they like get this cried strange that. Alice in Wonderland imagery that yeah. comes out of nowhere, and yet it ends with like. Like the lip brushing brands uh, for him. It's, it's like so a tear. Awesome. It's one of Martin's clearest, ah, uh, when I took drugs in my 20s moments <laughs> in the whole series. All of Brand's chapters. Are. All of Brand's, all of Brand and Danny's chapters. Yeah, Brand and like Danny's that. chapters are the trippiest. Like Where's the long pig fit in then? I don't know, Deadhead. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Particularly. And then there's all the cannibalism. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's only going to get worse. I can't wait. I think we could, we could keep talking about all of this forever. I know. Let's do more podcast stuff before. The Winds of Winter comes out. Yeah. And we, we all got to do our prediction episodes once we get it released. Yeah, absolutely. Click Gather bait, all of bait, our feelings bait. together. I'm so glad we got to do this, though. We got yeah. To, yeah. We tried to do this at Dragon Con, and we just didn't get together. Well, we got together. We well, yeah, we just didn't. Put up we all didn't these microphones. Yeah. We didn't make time for this. <laughs> girls Gone Canon. Yeah, Girls Gone Canon. Not, Not a cast. cast. You guys should tell everybody the links and uh, the Twitter handles and stuff. To yeah. Follow. Uh, you can get us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, uh, Podbean, where we host on Podbean, girlsgonecanon.podbean.com. Uh, you can get us on Twitter, at girlsgonecanon, and we have a Patreon that we have launched some really fun stuff on. Find us there as well. And you can find uh, Nauticast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Podbean. Uh, you can check out our Twitter at Nauticast, A-S-O-I-A-F, or shoot us an email at Nauticast, A-S-O-I-A-F at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Nauticast, A-S-O-I-A-F. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are going to be doing a live podcast tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on YouTube. And then you on just YouTube's. launched your YouTube channel, and this uh-huh. is the first thing you're doing from it. Yep, yep. <laughs> so if you're listening to this before this evening and you're not going to be with us, in Jersey City for this event where we all get to hang out with George R. R. Martin. He's totally going to hang out with us and tell us secrets about all the new books, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's part of going to this, right? Yeah, it's Facts. a goal. Okay, good. Um, Actually, we all get our, uh, our copies of T-Wow today. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. Like under your seats, Oprah yeah. Then we're going to have plenty to talk about. Then. Yes. Yeah, tons to talk about for months. Um, what was your YouTube channel if they want to listen to that tonight? Uh, yeah, it's um, 
It's just not a cast on YouTube. I think it's just youtube.com forward slash not a cast. I think it's either that or not a cast ASO IAF. Yeah, anyway, just search it. Just just search put not a cast into YouTube. We haven't done anything with it yet. This is gonna be our first uh, first project with it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.